0: Uh, we can we can we can make it work but yeah we're trying we try and keep it as relaxed and conversational as possible um and when we're on youtube there'll be a, a chat box there so any questions will come through through there so on the actual zoom it's just us um and then on the other side if, as it were um there's the people watching so it's quite nice because we kind of keep our safe, keep ourselves in our own little uh own little booth oh here's steph perfect whole gang is here hi Steph oh, connecting to audio. can you hear me Steph yes I can hear you perfect perfect great um so yes I was just saying to everyone um we're going to keep it really conversational and relaxed and if you do want to chip in um and follow up on what any anyone says then definitely feel free I've sort of mapped out questions but I'll leave a bit of a one second pause if you do want to jump in and um and say anything so we'll try and keep it um keep it flowing and um yeah everyone's wi-fi looks great which is the main thing um (laughs) so so we hope we hope um and um yeah what will happen is once i press the go live button we will jump to youtube and then we start basically so um if we're all ready i will press the magic button go for it and actually, firstly, thank you all for taking the time <laughs> to, uh, to spend your um, rather warm and humid um, four o'clock uh, with us. So uh, yeah, we, we won't keep it too long because um, I'm, I'm sweating, I don't know about you. So um, we'll let everyone enjoy their evening. So let's now do the fun bit on YouTube. takes a couple of minutes to load up mm-hmm. and there's a bit of a delay so when we say things they will see that um, you know about 10 seconds after on the other side so um, right let's go Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this live edition of the Women in Sport podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your rather humid evening with us. We really appreciate it, and we definitely hope it will be worth it. Um, a bit of housekeeping. We're going to have a Q&A at the end, so if you would like to um, ask any questions, please just drop them in the chat box on the side. My colleague, Beth, will be looking after the chat, so um, she'll be collating all the questions. So if you would like to um, ask anything, then please do just ask um, in in the Q&A. And afterwards, um, this is obviously a podcast, so it's going to be on our usual platforms. Um, So head there to to listen to it on Spotify, iTunes and Boom. and um, also you'll be able to watch it um, on uh, on YouTube afterwards on this same link. Um, so if you're on Eventbrite um, you will also see a little pdf link at the bottom which will have a link to our research um, that we're going to be touching on the discussion so definitely take a look in, at that and also thank you to our sponsors CSM Live for helping us put on this event tonight. So without further ado let's introduce our panellists, our amazing panellists, I'm very excited for this one. So. Firstly, we have Amar Adbaisi, the former captain of the England netball team and Commonwealth gold medalist. Now, Amma, I imagine most recently you haven't done a panel event without someone playing the clip of the last second goal against Australia. So I don't have it at the ready,
1: um, but it's great to have you with us. Thanks. Yeah, I think for the last two years, that's been the only thing that anyone ever plays about me. But it's... <laughs>
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna learn a bit more about you to, uh, this evening, which is which is good. Um, and next on the panel, we have Jodie Cunningham. Now, Jodie is also an athlete; she plays rugby league for St Helens and England, and she's also an ambassador for the 2021 Rugby League World Cup. Hi, Jodie.
2: Hi. Nice to be here, and it's great to be on such a such a fantastic panel. No, it's great to
0: have you with us, and um, you're also. Um, levelling up our our geographic uh, uh, demographics as well, because I'm sure a lot of us are are southerners, so uh, you're you're representing the north as well in in our panel.
2: Yep, definitely very northern, you can tell with the accent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we also have uh, Steph Harland, who is the CEO of the charity Age UK, obviously a charity who have uh, a big role to play during lockdown. So um, thanks for joining us, Steph.
3: Thank you. It's great to be here. So I'm afraid I'm in London too.
0: <laughs> there you go, exactly. The Southerners are taking over. And finally, Kate Nicholson, our research guru, the head of innovation and insight at Women in Sport. Hello, Kate, who is from Yorkshire, but lives down south, unfortunately. Yeah, I've
4: got northern roots, so uh, so good one, Jodie. Um, and also, I'm a netball player, so Emma, I watched that last <laughs> Second uh, goal with excitement. I can't remember what time it was—about four in the morning or something. So, <laughs> made my day.
0: Well, what we want to get started with um, first is we've all had such unique experiences during lockdown. Um, even though some of us may have similar jobs or you know be parents or whatever it may be, but. Um, everyone's challenges has been very unique especially for those on the panel who are elite athletes. So I just wanted to start with with you Amma uh, and then moving on to Jodie about what your lockdown experience has been like because um, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's some differences and there's some similarities.
1: It's been I think very up and down which I imagine it has been for lots of people and um, so I think my mood to start with was I was very keen and eager and then kind of dropped off after about two weeks. Um, But I play netball still in the domestic netball Super League competition and that was postponed. And so my team carried on training on Zoom because we expected to return back to the court. And then eventually that was, um, the season was cancelled. I also do a lot of um, ambassadorial work. So I work for some charities and I go into lots of corporate settings and do talks and um, do coaching and motivational things. And so that Kind of just stopped immediately, um, and so I think it was just a really strange, I guess, a strange situation for everybody. But um, I, we were furloughed from netball, but then my other work, um, it was just there wasn't, I wasn't furloughed. It was just nothing. Um, so I think just worry about income, um, mental health, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen off the season once the season got cancelled what do I do? Um, I think I play netball mainly because of the social aspect. So interacting with people, training with people, I sometimes find it really hard to motivate myself. But if I go training with other people, they're there and I help push them and they help push me. And so that disappeared. And so I think I've gone through lots of stages um, within myself of what am I doing? What's the point? Um, I had my family around. Um, I was a little bit sick at one stage and so then didn't want to be around my family because I was worried that if I did have the virus, I would affect them. So it's been, I think a very challenging time for myself and I guess for everybody. And I imagine potentially similar feelings to people, but different actual situations.
0: Yeah, definitely. And a lot of that resonates with me. I definitely had that, you know, what is the point feeling a lot. I think I probably said that to my colleagues who are watching right now a couple of times, Jodie, how, how was it for you? Is there a lot um, that resonates in what Amma was was talking about from an athlete and personal point of view as well?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. When Amma said up and down, that is exactly how I was going to describe it straight away. Good days and bad days. Um, Probably a little bit of a different scenario um, in terms of domestic league uh, rugby league women's competition isn't professional so my full-time job is working for the rugby league world cup so I wasn't furloughed I've been working the whole time and um, which has been great I think to keep me mentally motivated keep me in a routine which has been fantastic and I've, I've said a couple of times you have to be careful what you wish for I remember before all this happened thinking I wish the world had just stopped for a little bit and let me catch up with with all my training, with rugby, with work. Um, It is hard to balance at times. And then it really did feel like the world just stopped for a bit. Um, And at, at first I sort of enjoyed that. I felt like I got so many things done that were always on the back burner and I never got time to do. And then the longer it went on, the anxiety starts coming around. I haven't been able to get in the gym. I'm I'm losing muscle. I'm probably putting on fat. Um, am I gonna be really rusty when I come back? We've got a World Cup to build for next year, you know, how are the other countries who are competing? How is it affecting them? Are they getting an advantage now because we can't play? And yeah, just all those worries I think start to come in the longer it went on. So we're still in a position now where we're not too sure whether we'll get a little bit of a season in for the for the women's super league domestically. We're sort of waiting on if we can get playing in the next month or so Uh, and if we can we'll have a limited version of our of our league which will be great because I think just mentally as Amma said that social side of, of being able to get together and motivate each other is really important so we've just started some of that training which has been really great for everyone I think everyone's had that boost now we've got back together so hopefully if we can get some games in as well this year I think it'll really put people back on the right track and get that motivation back.
0: And Steph, obviously, um, Age UK had a really unique challenge with a lot of the, the women um, and men that you support being in, in that vulnerable category. So firstly, how was your experience? And then also, what were the, what were the challenges as an organisation for the people you work with?
3: So for me, and I was just... Reflecting, Jodie and Emma, that your experience um, reminds me of the experience that quite a lot of our staff have had at Age UK because we've had to furlough staff where we don't need them immediately on on the front line. And and we know it's been really, really tough for people. And in our organisation, there's been a real divide, I would say, between those people who've been furloughed, who've had a lot to deal with, um, family, health worries and other things, and those people at work, like me, where it's been absolutely mad seven days a week. Um, and for us in many ways uh, we had a challenge what we had to rise to very immediately and in some ways that, is, that really helps in this situation so we have uh, a number of telephone helplines we have one which is 24-7 the other that is um, from early in the morning till the middle of the evening and the calls we've been receiving have gone through the roof at local level older people have needed so much help from my colleagues across the country, people have just t- switched on from working quite often five days a week to working seven days a week, and completely reinventing in many cases, the services that we provided up till now. And one of the things for us has been that uh, we already knew a lot of people we were already in daily contact with and helping and supporting and engaging with a lot of people who needed our help. Uh, and of course, the same people that needed our help before needed our help during the crisis. And then suddenly a lot more people who had been perhaps okay before, maybe for example, people with families who live a little bit further away, but who could quite easily see their families quite regularly. I'm sure everyone knows people in that sort of situation, as well as people in a really wonderful way coming out to help their neighbors and friends. And I was just going to say, I think I'm one of those very typical people as well. I'm quite a sort of sedentary office bound person. So um, one of the things that's kept me going is probably actually taking a little bit more exercise than usual and, and taking that, taking that time. So unlike Amara and Jody, who are kind of elite levels of fitness, worrying about, you know, I think, I think Jody, I might've gained a little bit of muscle just possibly, <laughs> but there wasn't anything there before. <laughs>
0: it's always great to hear. And I think, um, Spoiler, spoiler alert, we'll definitely come to that as well. Um, so, Kate, nice to key you in perfectly. How has what sort of Jodie, Amber and Steph um, talked about, how has that been reflected in our in our lockdown research with the women we spoke to?
4: Yeah, I think it's been really interesting, actually, because we've had those two sides of the coin that we heard from Steph and we heard from Jodie. So for, for the women that actually were very active before and had... Um, had organised activities, sports, um, exercise that they were doing, something that they really loved and they loved doing with other people. They're the people that were least satisfied when we went into lockdown and really struggled to replicate that sort of intensity and the buzz and excitement and fun that they got from their activities. So for some of those people there was a bit of drop in motivation um, because they didn't have that, that same level of, of um, enjoyment really coming through. Um, and I think that the other side of that was from the women who actually had done less, suddenly found that doing exercise um, in the day was one of the, one of the things that you could do to relieve boredom. And also, you know, talking about the fact that actually exercise was um, an important part of everybody's day, sort of elevated it to that daily staple, which is fantastic. I mean, we've been trying to do that for so long. Um, and it has prompted some women to think, okay, you know, I'll start to do something, something quite accessible like walking or maybe a bit of cycling, a little bit of jogging. And actually firsthand feel the benefits of going out there, that freedom and enjoyment. So, you know, we, we saw both sides of that setting, which was, which was really interesting. So I can relate very much to the different stories there. And I think from my personal point of view, I, I went back to playing netball about yeah. years ago after having played it a, a, a lot uh, when I was younger um, and not playing it again I've just missed the social side I mean you know our group, we're mad on whatsapp and we're all communicating with each other and we did the whole passing the ball in our garden and looking like it passed from <laughs> one to the other which which was great and really exciting so I think um, it you know how do you keep that connection and and you realize how much you miss it you know I don't think I'd appreciated it quite so much until lockdown happened and suddenly it was taken away from me yeah so for those those of us who obviously rely on
0: that contact whether it's through sport or the office. Amma and, and Jodie, um, how did you guys stay connected with your team? Emma, you mentioned that, um, you know, being part of that team sport is something that's so important. So what were the ways that, that you engaged with your team socially and also through training?
1: I think it's it was quite difficult. So we trained online together um, through video and the coach basically shouted out instructions and we each did them in our individual spaces. And I think it was it was really frustrating because it was nothing like the intensity physically wasn't there. And then also the camaraderie wasn't there. And usually I'll be messing around in the background with people and that couldn't happen. Um, and so it was just a very strange setup, but I think it was actually good to have the continuity and the routine of that. Um, and then well, once that was gone, it was quite strange. Um, I had been wishing that we didn't have to do it constantly. But then once it was gone, I was like, oh gosh, it was actually really good. Um, And then I think socially, just again, um, as Steph said, and as Kate said, um, WhatsApp communication. And so just trying to make sure, I think personally, I try to just touch in with people. And I think lots of people have connected with some people they've not spoken to in years. Um, And so every day, at least, I try and connect with two people. um, And then also try to get around my team to message them and see how they were going and things. But it isn't the same, but I guess it's still just trying to maintain some level of contact.
0: And Jodie, what was it like for you? I know we, we talked um, before about the innovative, shall we say, ways that, that some of your teammates were um, you know, stopping on the motorway um, to grab objects. I'm sure you'll talk more about that. But what were the things that, that you and your teammates were doing?
2: Yeah, Really similar to, to what Amma said, it was the video the video zoom sort of sessions is, is what we did to, to keep everybody motivated, keep everybody fit and make sure that it was really difficult to motivate yourself. And I'm somebody, if, if I'm just going to do a session on my own, I don't push myself the same. I don't have the same drive to actually turn up and do it, whether that's in my own home or just going to the gym on my own. I like to do gym workouts with people. I like to do all my fitness with teammates and, um, just I think making that commitment to meet someone and be there at a certain time to do it is is really important to keep me on a schedule and so I sort of tried to replicate that with a couple of the the senior members of the team in terms of putting those regular Zoom sessions in place so three times a week we'd do a session it was always at the same time we'd always send out you know this is what we're planning on doing in the session the, the night before so that everybody had that that regular contact they knew this time this week this is what we'd be doing. And that really helped us, um, but it didn't work for everybody. Um, you know, we had an uptake of some girls where without fail, they would be on every single session. Um, we also had some girls who struggled because you know, they have full-time jobs. So some were frontline key workers and um, some were taking up different roles because they were furloughed from their own job, volunteering, looking after family. So each of the girls had completely different uh, situations and scenarios. So we just tried to work best we could around each of the individuals and and like Emma said just touch in and make sure that if you haven't heard from someone or they've not been very active on a chat in a while they haven't logged into any of the zooms that just making sure that they're doing okay mentally if they need any help or support to do some you know, physical aspects um, of the work because I think the longer it goes on and the longer you haven't done a session uh, the more anxious you feel the more you feel like you, you've lost your fitness you feel like you've lost any any of the progress you've made prior to lockdown so I think some of the girls were feeling that if they'd missed a few weeks that oh I can't join now because I'm going to be behind and and I'm not going to be good enough so it's just I think mentally just trying to motivate everyone um to just build that confidence up as well Um the last couple of weeks have been great just being able to actually get out and see people in small groups so a local uh, teammate of mine. We actually started playing together when we were twelve. So we've been best mates. We play at St Helens together, and we play at England together. Um, we've used each other to push and do our own gym workout. So we each bring in whatever equipment we've got to do our own sessions on the front path. The amount of messages my family have got saying, "I'm sure I've seen your Jody uh, flipping tires and throwing weights around on on the front." <laughs> and it and it was, and that's the way we've kept going and. We got a big lorry tire, which actually uh, my friend Emily, she drove past and thought, that's absolutely perfect. We need something heavier. So uh, she she put that in the back of the van. And that's what we've been doing, flipping tires and uh, just trying to get that added bit of exercise, a little bit more weight whilst the uh, gyms weren't open. So yeah, anything and everything we could really to just keep going in one way or another.
0: Yeah, you've got to improvise. Emma, did you uh, did you end up picking up any um, any tyres or anything else for your training?
1: I'm really, <laughs> I'm really jealous. Um, my mum is a key worker and her car had something wrong with its tyres. So she went to the um, tyre shop and I was looking at the tyres going, oh, I need something to train with. They didn't have any um, truck tyres, unfortunately. Um, but I just took two part worn, like two worn out tyres and thought, oh, I can just carry them in the garden and... They're not that great to flip, but um, it was something. But I'm a little bit jealous that Jody got the big proper time to flip.
0: Yeah, yeah that could you could be uh, you could get a new job, Jody, just driving around picking up uh, gym equipment for isolated <laughs> athletes.
2: <laughs> exactly. To be fair, you could see when we were doing our sessions on on the front front path, and we were literally it's sort of a hilled path. So that made it a little bit more difficult with the tyre flipping, but you could see it was it was like when there's an accident on the motorway and everyone slows down as they drive past. It was that same sort of experience. Everyone was driving past thinking, I wonder what's going on there. And we, we sort of said regularly the amount of interest we got. I'm sure if we put a sign out and said that we're going to do some sessions, we could have made a little <laughs> bit of extra cash. But um, yeah, we still, we're just doing our own sessions.
0: And Steph, um, you mentioned that, you know, you're, you're, you're a bit of a, an office owl, but for, for your team and also for, for the, the people you work with, how did you stay connected with, with isolation and loneliness being such a big factor of lockdown?
3: So we've, like everybody else, we've really made use of this kind of technology. So we've um, been getting together every day using... Um, Teams, which is, you know, something that every, everyone that's been working through lock, lockdown, I think, has been used to sort of sitting in front of these screens and joining in with everyone. I think that we have felt at times that uh, we could make some really positive connections. And one of the things we've started to talk about, because it's been going on for so long, is what are we missing and, and what's and what's been okay? So I think where we've worried is for staff members who um, maybe you're not very comfortable at home. Uh, for staff members who don't have a really easy situation at home, uh, we, you, that could be because they're lonely or it could be as well because things aren't so easy at home or because they have caring responsibilities or something going on with the family where it's been very much up to them. So we've tried really hard to encourage people not only to connect or the immediate task and the work because i think that's one of the really important things in the working situation normally when we're all in the office and i think this is true in every office one of the things that makes it worthwhile for people and people miss is those moments you know at the water cooler or those um things that we do together in our office um two or three years ago one of my colleagues laurie who's a great runner and a and a, and she works at, she does a lot of running with a running charity that you might have heard of. Laurie inc- started a, a couch to 5k club and people would we right in the middle of central London and colleagues have really, really enjoyed being sort of trained and supported by Laurie to go all the way through from, you know, you really wouldn't have believed pe- people who would, you never have seen were going to run, going out and running together. And, you know, when we're together, normally there are all sorts of activities that go on, you know, whether they're not all of them are sport, but things that really create that camaraderie that people were talking about. And that's what's been so difficult. So I think people have found new ways through digital technology. One of the things we've seen with older people is that some people that were quite reluctant to engage but who did have that opportunity have taken a massive leap forward. And there's all sorts of amazing stories of older people all across the country who swore blind that, you know, they really weren't going to they really weren't going to go there. They they didn't you know, they couldn't, they didn't, they wouldn't, even where they've had sort of super family support with people saying, come on, you know, I can show you how to do this. So we've seen people take an absolute leap into the world of technology. We've seen people also, you know, taking to online shopping and doing other things like that. But of course there remain a huge number of people who aren't included. And I think it's the same, you know, across all of the things we're talking about, this situation, for people who are in a really difficult situation, this, this situation has made a lot of things worse. So generally speaking at our work, we, we, can, we can have supported each other, I think, reasonably well and try to look out for those people who we know are having a really tough time. And it, Kate, you wanted to jump in
4: there yeah i was I was just going to say, i think um, you know I think particularly for that older group of uh, of women it 's been really hard you know we we did some research right across the life stages, and I would say there were two two groups that were particularly hard hit the mums who found that they had such a huge proportion of the childcare whole and homeschooling responsibilities that they were struggling to carve out any time for themselves at all and felt guilty whatever they were doing because they were never doing enough. But there was this older group of women and I, th- I think, you know, we really need to think hard about how we can support women, particularly in their sort of 70s and 80s, who, um, you know, we talked to some women who had, who had the exercise that they did was part of the structure of their week and it was also their social connection and i think if there's one thing we've all realized during this lockdown is how much we miss other people and some of the ladies that i spoke to um you know were having to self-isolate and therefore that connection was lost completely and some of the messaging that was going on during the start of lockdown was so negative about older people that they were scared and actually not wanting to listen to the news or or do anything. Um, and they they really miss the social side of exercise. You know, just going on a walk on their own just didn't replicate that going off to their exercise class, their community centre, having a cup of tea afterwards. Um, and they did feel a little bit isolated and and left out in terms of what they could do next. So I'm really interested in in how we can support particularly that older group of women um, going forward.
0: And Emma and Jodie, was there anything that you specifically felt that was different compared to? I know it's harder with you, Emma, because netball's not a professional uh, men's sport. But was there anything that you guys felt was different to the experiences that your, you know, some male athletes that you knew were having, or or did you feel like things were quite similar for for, for, for them as well?
1: Uh- I think um, you go Jodie.
3: Yeah I
2: I suppose it's really it's a difficult one because there's so many different parts of the jigsaw it's not just as simple as they're going to affect both the same because for example the the men's uh, rugby league uh, top uh, league they're all professional so They've got additional worries, concerns and, and issues to sort in terms of, as Emma was saying, around being furloughed from the job um, and concerns about the future. What what state is the club going to be in? Is everybody everybody going to be able to keep the contracts the same? Are they going to have to take pay cuts? So they had additional concerns that we didn't necessarily have, which made things a little easier. But then equally because of the Um, contracts that were in place with the broadcasters for the men's game there's also added incentives in the game as a whole to make sure that that the men's game is up and running and up and running quickly so it's really hard to compare I think the two between themselves but what's been really positive and and for me made me feel really good about coming out the other side of this is I work quite closely in my day-to-day job with the Rugby Football League as the governing body uh, for Rugby League. And women's sport has most definitely not been lost in the conversations that are happening. Yes, obviously there's there's contractual terms that they've got to fulfil with the the men's uh, version of the game. But equally, I know that they're working tirelessly to make sure that in some form, the women's game gets back up and running. And if that's not feasibly possible, do everything else they can around that to support the women, to be in the best place they can be for next year, whether that be putting additional um, sessions on England-wise and splitting that, into different regions whatever it might be they are very much uh, having women's sport at the top of their conversations which I think is really positive for us and we were on such a really really great trajectory in the women's game we'd seen so much growth over the recent two or three years so it's it's really positive and I think makes all the women hopeful that coming out of this we're going to carry on with that positive movement and it's not going to get lost because naturally things are going to change and there's going to have to be cuts but I think you know the women's game's here to stay and and people value the the contribution of women's sport
1: yeah I think definitely as Jodie says people do value the contribution of women's sport and netball I guess is in a very different position to some of the other sports because as you mentioned so there's not the equivalent men's side at the same level so men do play but it's not at the same level at this time. Um, I think what was um, frustrating for me was I imagine that during lockdown um, initially things were the same for both men and women in terms of trying to find places to do their training um, at the levels where people had employment contracts being furloughed or not um, and then still trying to continue because you can't just stop training and doing what you're doing and then suddenly come back and perform at the level that you were expected to. Um, I think the differences started to come in when there was talk about sports coming back and competitiveness happening and I think that's when the difference between women and men came about and as Jodie said, it was pretty much commercial the decisions made around men's sport coming back because of the sponsorships, the TV rights and all that pressure. Um, and then we, I think, just hearing through the grapevine um, through um, people who are involved in football or know rugby players or things like that on the men's side and hearing what their pathway to coming back was and how they've gone into their bubbles already. And they were paying for testing. Um, and I think that's probably one of the most significant things, the difference between the men's and the women's game is the men, because of the commercial funding, they could pay to test people in their clubs which then meant they could train together And then also I think sometimes the number of staff that they had in those clubs meant that they could train in separate pods and have staff assigned to certain pods and things like that and women's sport typically doesn't have that much funding to aid test people and then also have that many coaches or personnel to be able to have separate pods Um, and so I think that's when the disparity started to come about and netball still isn't back And as Jodie said, governing bodies are trying really hard, but I think it's a little bit like the conversation that we've been fighting in terms of putting women's sport up there and elevating women's sport. And when you're battling for equality, lots of people say, oh yeah, we're working on it. We're really hard. It's the top of our agenda. We're focusing on it. But there's a difference between focusing on it and talking and actually implementing things and making them happen. So it's hoped that female sport will come back, but... It's nowhere near where it should be and I think just the momentum that has been built up in the last and I think as Jodie mentioned um rugby league in the last two to three years and netball again um I think since the Commonwealth Games gold win in 2018 and then the World Cup last year there was a massive momentum shift and we talk about it in the last two to three years but actually that's taken multiple years it's taken centuries to actually get to that place and so it's not just the oh it's just a couple of years so we can Get back to where we were within a couple of years. It's taken such a long time and so it's just making sure that that progress over decades hasn't been lost and I think that's the difficult thing about um, female sport and comparing it to the men's side.
0: Yeah definitely, definitely. Um, Kate, one of the things we did find with the work is there, was, there were lots of women who actually, um, a bit like Steph mentioned, really wanted to take this opportunity as a way to engage. So with those women, how, um, you know, uh, I know there's specific stats on it, but how would be the best way to support them if they've shown an interest, if they've engaged in digital stuff? Jodie, I know um, your mum got involved in, in some of your Zoom workouts. So looking ahead what's the way to kind of gather the momentum that you know on some sides of the grassroots women's angle is there and say you may have found running at this time and how can we help you continue that
4: yeah and i think some of the simplicity of of what people could do during lockdown is is actually part of the solution so being able to just go out and and have a run have a walk do things that are quite simple. Don't have a, you know, you don't have to learn so much. You don't have to have lots of equipment. That's actually um, really important. Um, so I think we can learn from that and think about, you know, how can we provide really easy, accessible things for people to do, um, and to help them. Um, back into activity. I think also for some of those women they've really experienced it for the first time so we need to remind them and keep reminding them of the feel-good factor that they had. Um, Some of those entry-level activities, I mean um, somebody mentioned the um, couch to 5k and I think you know again something like that which is a real access point for running is brilliant Um, and it gives people a bit of motivation and self-motivation to do some of those things we were talking actually with some of the um, sports governing bodies. And again, there's lots of walking versions of the game, walking netball, walking football, um, walking rugby. I've, I've actually taken part in that. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's some of these things that people might be starting to think about that we need to um, really, you know, bring to the fore and bring that awareness there so that when we do start getting more activities back together, um, there are some options which are much more accessible um, and I think just finally the other thing we need to think of coming back is how do we make sure that this is for everybody um, and you know for people who are living in poorer areas for people who haven't got access to all of these facilities you know sometimes the church hall sports community centre um, they are the, the community centre they are the venues that they're using so you know we need to make sure that we focus on the wide range of opportunities that are out there and make sure that they're accessible
3: to people too. What's happened um, in some ways bears out some things that Kate, we found in our our joint research before and both in the research we've done together and separately, which is that people are quite well aware these days of of all age groups, uh, including kind of older people, they, they've, they've heard the message about the health benefits of exercise. It always, doesn't always turn them on, but they, but they are aware of it. And I think what we've seen during lockdown is a lot of people, going back to Jodie's comment about the world stopping, we've seen a lot of people who have very busy lives and who are pulled in lots of different directions. They have heard that message before, and they have had a little bit of space and time to do something about it. And that's been great. We also know that other people who were doing things... Uh, as you said before, Kate, their opportunities to do them have been sort of taken away. Mm-hmm. And some of the, particularly where people, uh, for a lot of um, older people, that kind of mix of the social and the, and the exercise, people may think of the thing that they were doing as a social thing or as an exercise thing, and it doesn't kind of much matter, really. Uh, so looking forward, I think we will see a lot of people who who've had a real chance to try something I think there is an opportunity for those people to carry it on and it be a long-term thing but we're also facing um across the country and and your discussion about the sort of economic um status of, of men's sport and women's sports so interesting we're also facing i'm i'm sorry to say this but we are facing a real crisis um in our kind of community infrastructure across the country there are real challenges about how we get people back into buildings like um Community halls and sports centres and gyms, and also there's an absolute crunch in public funding and the funding for charities and community organisations. So we felt we're we're in we're a quite a strange time, really, aren't we? Where on the one hand there may be lots of people who've had some opportunity to do something different and try something and have really broken through that that barrier that maybe was holding them back before, but at the same time we're seeing new barriers that we haven't really had to grapple with before that will get in the way of us being able to offer people some of the activity that we'd like to. I'm sorry don't, don't want to be too gloomy because the answer is we have to find a way to get over that but we're we, we seeing new we, we, we've got new challenges that we didn't have before I guess. Yeah.
4: And I think I think that's why we need to be really agile and really creative and I you know I love to hear about Jodie and the tyre you know that was the creativity to to build that gym environment for Uh, for her training. So I think it is about responding and being able to um, creatively think about what are the alternatives? Because I think where we were at the start was we can come back to activity and it's almost going to go back to where it was. You know, we'll come out of this and we'll all go back and everything will be up and running. But, you know, we're having to adapt games so that there's not as much contact. We're having to think about where people are playing, what people are doing, what combinations of, of... people can play together and not so you know there's so many different variables but i don't think it's insurmountable and i think we can if we think about how do we make it happen rather than just not what what can't make it happen so i think i think it's for us as sports providers as well you know i'm talking about our sector to really think carefully about what could we do differently let's be a bit imaginative about it let's think about um how we can how we can change things and i think one of the things you mentioned which I thought was really interesting, was about the increase in that t- capability amongst the older people that you've spoken to, because we heard that too, um, and it's not everybody. There are some who are, who are going to be left out, and we need to think very carefully about how to how to manage them. But there are certainly, I was talking to some 80-year-olds who'd suddenly got an iPad for the first time, and they were getting involved in um, online activities, online dancing with um, uh, with. Wells you know I was hearing such stories that were really imaginative and I thought you know that wouldn't have happened in a way unless people have been forced to think a little bit differently so I'd love to see a bit of creativity come out of uh, come out of some of this too I think, I, think I think
1: that oh sorry, sorry I'm no, I'm there we go, go on, I should say that's really nice to hear um, and I think as you mentioned Kate people just being inventive and governing bodies thinking outside of the box and I think for so long we've been sort of straight down the line sticking to rules this is how it's done and actually this is an opportunity for people to listen to people think outside the box and encourage people I think the danger that I was thinking was that there's lots of people who as you said you love the social aspect of sport and so you're longing for it to come back and that's a great thing but there's people who maybe just recently took up sports and aren't necessarily doing it anymore and don't know the benefits and are missing out and I think it's those people that we don't want to lose and it's great to hear both you and Steph say that there's a lot of people who've understood now and taken up sport and realised the benefits so it's great that we've now hopefully captured those people but there are I think areas where people might slip through the cracks but I think not just governing bodies but everybody just thinking outside the box as to how they can achieve what it is they want to achieve and so it's kind of one door has shut but so many more doors have opened and hopefully we can move forward and think, how can we get this done? Because we need to get it done as opposed to, we've hit a, a hurdle, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. I was just going to touch on in terms of people trying new things and being creative. Um, and I think that drives in terms of your own family as well. I know myself and my brother was trying to drive my mom. She's, she's always been really sporty um, and she was missing the element of, so she plays badminton. Um, She's got two two knees that are an absolute mess and she still um, fights through because she just absolutely loves playing uh, badminton and she's missed that and that was her social aspect and I think stereotypically because women don't necessarily compete in as much sport as they get older as men do, I think that really affects the friendship circles that they have as well. I know my mum's always saying to my dad, you know everyone, and you've got so many groups of friends and you're always out and my mum sort of struggles the other side because she's lost touch of a lot of the, the people that she was friends with when she was younger because she stopped playing netball when she was 21 and then from that point on you don't necessarily have the lo- lots of different groups of friends and big groups and um, so we made a conscious effort with my mum to make sure we were keeping her active and um, so we made a makeshift badminton court in in the back garden as well so we had two big ladders with uh the washing line uh tied along and then we had all sorts on there so we, we were doing badminton in the back garden she joined in my zoom sessions with saints because there was no reason why not it it was really accessible she could just log on Um, and as much as she was quite self conscious at first i said you don't have to put your video on no one even has to know you're there really but you can just join in and you do it to your capability Uh, you can make things easier you can make them harder you can take a break if you need to and it just made it so much more accessible for her to, to join in and she really enjoyed it and did so well and um, so yeah as much as it, understandably there's going to be a lot of challenges for, for all sports to face um, in the coming months and, and and years potentially but it has opened many doors as well and i think made people start reflecting and thinking differently
4: yeah And I think what you're saying about families getting active together, you know, when you can only operate within a family environment, you start to be a bit creative and different, you know, different fitness levels can come together and do things and support each other. And we heard that a lot in the research, actually, about, you know, sort of, older sons supporting mums or you know daughters and mums we heard a lot about mums feeling so much to have time with their daughters actually on a in, a in an activity level in a in a quite non-judgmental space where they could just enjoy it and have a bit of fun so you know that's something again that I think we can think about how do we how do we do things at a family level that really are catering for the whole family not just for somebody to help their son or to help somebody in their family, but something that they can just have loads of fun with and and really enjoy. So, you know, there are some opportunities out there that we might might just trigger some ideas from people, which would be
3: brilliant. I think the the other thing that we've seen a huge amount of, I mean, I think everything that you've all spoken about is so true. The other thing, of course, was we've seen this incredible spirit of, of people across the country volunteering to help other people and people just getting out there and getting on with it. Um, often just just very very you know reaching out to their neighbors very spontaneously building local communities again whatsapp has played a big part in many areas of the country with people you know breaking down barriers between other people and i think some of that creative coming together and actively encouraging people has also happened in in that space so the other thing that we're very hopeful for for the future is that You know quite a lot of relationships have been formed and friendships have been made and people have found ways to to do things together and that some of that As as somebody said a little while ago won't stop, but we can we can really not only celebrate how we've um, Responded in our communities across the country But also really try to keep that spirit going because I think part of what we're talking about here is people very naturally and in a very sort of non-judgmental and very sort of equal way, just encouraging each other and saying, let's have fun and let's do something. You know, with Jodie with her mum in the back garden, what a great story. That's absolutely lovely. And I think the other thing, as we're saying, is that there is some, I think we've just done some things with tech and some people have tried some things with tech that they wouldn't otherwise have done. So I think we're finding some ways to, that the tech and people doing things can come together. We, we are quite, um, we've seen all sorts of people uh, taking to using technology that they wouldn't have used before and we'd extend that to wearables as well uh, and people doing, the, you know, again, getting to understand, you know, people who've never particularly used a step uh, smartphone won't necessarily know that inside your smartphone there's a step counter and that that's a kind of very simple thing that we've been promoting with people and saying, showing people and getting other people and getting people to show other people, this is, this is one of these many things, this amazing thing in your pocket can do. It's not just for ringing people up with it, it can do all these things. And one of the things it can do is in a fun way, help you think about your activity levels. And what's quite nice about working with older people sometimes is that you know young people know all this stuff and they're a bit jaded about it, but to older people discovering a step counter in a phone can be a bit of a, a miracle. So um, that's quite nice from our from our end of things.
0: Yeah, I think with, with all with all the challenges as well, we, we've spoken about some of those. There's also a lot of opportunity, and um, I think we've we've sort of um, summed it up quite nicely. And I know we've got loads of questions come through uh, on the chat, so I want to move on to that um, so we get as much time as possible. So. Um, for Steph, someone has asked, has there been any evidence of your clients becoming more active perhaps with the use of technology, which we sort of uh, touched on? And do you think it's gonna encourage people to become more active, especially with the fear that might have been instilled in them? So we've sort of touched on that, but we looked at the technology, but with some of the, the people you've spoken to, do you, do you think there's gonna be a legacy of activity with them? Oh, I think you're on mute Steph, unfortunately. <laughs>
3: Had to be me. I'm having a bad week for that. (laughs) I think there is, as we've been saying, there is evidence of people trying things, of being inspired and supported by family and friends to try things. And also family and friends, I think, sometimes being able in the situation to press a little bit, whereas before it would have been inappropriate. So so that's the thing, big dynamic in families about that, I think. People sort of thumping the table and saying to their parents and grandparents, no, you really do have to learn how to do this now, and and we're going to show you. I I think there is is quite a lot of evidence as well, and, and Kate will be aware of this, of people who have been very inactive though, often people who are already quite isolated, and we know again this was work we did together two or three years ago. We know that by the time people women particularly by the time they get to seventy five and over about twenty about twenty one percent of women are being as active as the guidelines suggest they should be in a, in a week. There are many many reasons uh, some of the well known kind of researchers and writers on this subject are talking about something now among older people and other people with existing long term conditions they're talking about the very um, the very sort of awkwardly named deconditioning pandemic i 'm sure kate you're familiar with this. I think it needs a better name than deconditioning pandemic, yeah. but really we are quite worried about those people who have been very inactive um, and this has and, and we know that quite a lot of those people are also still very concerned about the idea of leaving home now, so we 've got a lot of people that we really need to use some of the new techniques and new ideas and new ways we've got of engaging with people we need to get those offers and invitations out to those people who are very much stuck at home and for whom this is this has meant that they've been less active and and where they're really worried about coming out so i think where we're really positive is some of the really nice things that people have been doing and trying and have invented and innovated quite spontaneously people across the country I think we need to take some of that to some of the people who've been left behind.
4: Yeah, and I agree. And just to build on the thinking around the tech, I mean, one thing that we found was that sometimes the online classes, which were quite anonymous and had no feedback, were quite hard to sustain for some people. So it it didn't feel as as, um, motivating as being with some people they knew. So we, you know, I've spoken to some quite a few exercise specialists who have managed to sort of combine the two so as classes have come back and you're you probably can have much smaller numbers in your classes you could also provide an online opportunity so it's still people you know you can still have feedback it's done on zoom so I think again we need to think of those fusions it doesn't have to be just online or offline it could be a combination of the two and then you can flex it depending on what's happening in the situation or depending on your circumstances at home. So I think just thinking sort of a little bit laterally might help um, get some of those solutions.
0: Um, for, for Emma and jo- Jody, Jody, someone's asked, are you worried for the security of your sport after lockdown? We touched on that a little bit, but do you think your sports needs more resources to recover from this period compared to men's sports? So I know we already covered that a little bit, but I guess any particular issues which you think your sport is is facing?
2: I'll, I'll go in there first. I think, I think rugby in particular, uh, rugby league and rugby union, it's the element of contact that we have as part of our sport is naturally a hindrance and a barrier for us at the minute. And um, there's a lot of research and, and discussions going on at the minute around how can we adapt our sport to be less contact-based, which I think when, you, when you're tackling each other and trying to stop them to get into a line, that's really difficult. Um, so there's been elements of taking scrums out of the play, um, reducing game times, has been spoken about all different options, um, which are, are real barriers that we, we have to look at. And I think the main one, which Emma spoke about, Before was it's the the testing is the main difference and and the worry for women's sport because for us, um, the men's Super League has now got back playing. They played their first uh, matches back from lockdown last weekend, and it was fantastic to see. And it's so good that that, you know we're getting some rugby league back up and running. But the women's game, there just isn't the money to fund testing, and that is going to be a hindrance for us because until we're at a point where things are dramatically back to normal or there is there's some kind of vaccine or the testing becomes a lot more affordable we will struggle and I think that's that's the main barrier and one that's not an easy one to overcome really
1: and I think similarly with netball so they're looking at ways to change the game and netball's non-contact but I think everyone knows that there's a lot of contact especially
0: when the nails ball. come out the nails in netball <laughs> is the real one
1: um, lots of contact elbows. Um yeah. and so you stand in close proximity to people and so I think it's very difficult and they're looking at ways to change the game. Um I think one of the things is being penalised if you contact someone standing um standing down four feet away instead of next to them, but then you still might contact someone. So it's very difficult I think to sort of navigate through. But yeah, as Jodie said it's the texting and I think Englet will have rise again as a campaign where they're trying to um, put the emphasis in there to help people um, realise that netball will rise again and we will come back. But I think it is really difficult and so potentially, I guess, um, Steph mentioned that funding is very limited, but some sort of funding potentially needs to be put in place so that netball and female sport can come back because the longer we are without these sports and not necessarily just at the elite level, but at the community level as well. The harder it is for people to get back, the more likely it is that people become sedentary or disengaged. So I think it is just about thinking here and now, what can we do to make it return as soon as possible?
0: Jodie, someone asked as as a follow-up on a similar topic about sustainability of women's rugby league and the difference compared to the men and I know um, obviously rugby league got um, a government loan um, you know quite, quite soon into into lockdown to keep it you know afloat because it provides such a big part of the communities in the north of England so where would you like to see that support come from is it is it sponsors is it the governing body is it um, you know who, who is it broadcasters who's the one who really needs to, to help and support and keep things moving
2: a really good question and um, I think the governing body from you know my experience of are press really thin at the minute as as are all sports governing bodies and the next 12 months are going to be really difficult I think for for the RFL and to try and look at where can they make cuts because as a sport that they are really struggling and trying to ask them for more um, input and funding into the women's game I think would be too big of an ask at the minute for me it does have to come from sponsors and um, people outside of the sport who want to make sure that the, the progress that that's being seen in women's sport continues and um, we've seen over the last couple of years in women's rugby league for the first time ever last year we had um, a sponsor for the challenge cup and we had a sponsor for the women's super league so for the first time ever that's external sponsors coming in and putting money into our sport now it's not extortionate amounts it just keeps the tournament going but the more I, I think particularly in women's sport the inv- your investment can have such a huge impact in men's sport that's been around for decades and there's not massive changes and and if you don't invest in that sport someone else some other company some other business will come along and, and do that same thing whereas we're in a position now with women's sport where a company can come along and completely transform a sport from where it is Um, in the like uh, talking for rugby league experience but I'm sure there's many other sports out there where if a big sponsor came in and put the investment into the game they could change it and take it forward 30 years within one 12 months period so for me I'd like to see big companies maybe people who have possibly benefited from changes to to how we do things during this pandemic and how can they reinvest back into different areas like sport where they've they've took a massive hit and so hopefully yeah there'll be some some companies wanting to give back and see how they can make a, a positive change coming out the other side of the
1: and I think as Jodie said um putting a big in- she's, she mentioned big investment and actually because of where female sport is placed compared to male sport a big investment for female sport is going to be a significant amount less than investing in male sport so you can make Such a big difference with a small amount of money, and I know the economy is struggling at the moment, and people are unsure of their jobs and things. But there is still money out there, and there are still companies who are looking for ways to show their support and help. And actually, with 50% of the population being female, if you invest in a female sport, hopefully you'll attract um, male attention, but also you'll gain the attention of half of the population. And so, why better or where better to spend your money than actually? spending less money and achieving potentially an equal or bigger outcome.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Kate, someone's asked about um, a, a re-establishment of men's sports and uh, like boys' sports and girls' sports. So I know we, we looked at or Sport England and talked about the fact that there had actually been a bit of an increase in activity levels among girls, perhaps because if they're not participating in as many team sports, they may be getting active in other ways through Zoom, YouTube, Instagram, whatever it may be. So how do you think um, the impact of lockdown might influence those visible changes between girls and boys sport? Um, And obviously when school comes back as well, how that might be impacted?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think we have learned some things from, you know, it's probably the best deprivation exercise and, and you start to learn things from that. So I think what we have seen is those more accessible exercises have attracted some of the less active girls to take part and feel confident and comfortable about doing that. Um, so I think that's probably confirmed something we know, but we do need to think very hard about how do we make sport and exercise more relevant to those um, to those girls. And I think that learning is, is helpful, that simplicity, that non-judgmental space. And I think it's all about where are they taking part and, and, and who are they taking part with. So sometimes taking part in sport and exercise at school for somebody who doesn't think they're very sporty is not the best environment for them to feel comfortable. So I think what the lockdown has done has allowed them to have some space to take part in a more comfortable environment. And, and that's an important learning for us um, to take forward. Um, I think what we have to, uh, I think one of the concerns is actually that in in school sport, um, obviously when we go back there probably won't be the competitions and the inter-school sports that we've seen before. And equally with the bubble systems, we may find that there are there are fewer girls taking part in certain sports. Those bubbles might not allow a critical mass to, 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 to keep that particular club or something running. So... We do need to think very carefully about if that's not happening, how we can, again, creatively bring those girls, those active girls who are not doing enough because, because that's happened um, back into sport and capitalise on, on some of that simplicity and outside activity, more outside um, opportunities for girls to start to get involved in, in sport and exercise.
2: Yeah. And, uh, oh, sorry, no, Jodie, jump in. Just to, just to build on that as well, I think, um, what I see across some of um, some of the mums in, in our team, so playing at Saints, there's a couple of the, of the women have got have got children. And obviously we spoke about the research and about the added responsibility at home and trying to balance everything. Um, but what they've done is they actually started to bring um, their children to training. So it was an outdoor space where the kids could run around, play, but not just the fact that they were outside and they were running around. It was seeing their mum be active and looking up to them and we've seen an increase in the activity levels of the young girls um, whose mums are coming to training because they they can see oh it's normal for women and girls to to be active and to do this and I want to be like my mum my mum's a role model and I think that's been really inspiring I you know I don't have any children but seeing that I thought wow I can imagine if if I was a young girl and I could see my mum playing rugby I'd be impressed I, I, you know and and we've seen that and even with you know our coaches um is a male but he's brought his daughter down because she wanted to get out of the house so she's been coming to training and she's got so much more active she started joining in our fitness sessions and she's lost so much weight she looks so much healthier and she's absolutely loving being around us and as built in confidence so having that having young girls exposed to situations that they maybe not, they wouldn't have done in a normal situation, I think has also inspired some young girls to, to take part in new activities.
0: Yeah, that, that really um, kind of lends itself to, to the last question we got, because it just shows the importance of visibility of women's sports. So something that I've had emails about in response to our newsletter is people who really want to know how to support the return of elite women's sport. And they may just be fans or they may work in the sector as well. So, um, Jodie and Amal, what would you say to, to any stakeholder, and any fan as well? What what could they do to support? We talked about money, but uh, what are the other elements to it as well?
1: I think one of the things is actually just being heard. So getting out there, if it's, if it's a particular sport that you follow, um, following the sport on social media, um, and I think just one of the biggest things I think is making enough noise. So the government are trying to do their best, but the more they hear that we need to see these things, the more they will be inclined, I think, to show their support. So I think making as much noise as we possibly can, following um, people or governing bodies. Um, I think also, as we've talked about funding and funding is probably the one of the largest barriers. Um, I think with Netball, one of the issues in the UK is we don't—they're not—they um, don't have physical assets, and so they're relying on sports centres and universities. And actually, that's what makes it slightly difficult because netball aren't at liberty to just um, start um, participation. They have to rely on the, um, the guidelines that all these people are following. And so, I think. If you were someone richer, you had um, access to facilities, that would be amazing. And if you could just open up um, the facility to let some of the community use your space or use your court. Um, I think there are lots of little different ways that we can support it. But I think the aim is just hopefully let female sport come back so that people can see, um, as Jodie mentioned with her example, if you can see people doing things, it encourages you, it inspires you, and hopefully that will lead to you. New- speaking about it to other people, which will then just start the ball rolling and hopefully encourage others.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Just make noise and talk about it is a really key thing. Um, Particularly social media is is so powerful and it, and it's been enlightening for me to see through lockdown. I've had quite a few parents and, and, um, different coaches contact me around the young uh, girls in their team and how, um, they're really missing playing or, or they really want some sort of uh, activity what can they take part can you give them any advice what can they be doing right now whilst um, whilst they're not able to play and that was inspiring to me to see that there are young people out there who really are looking up to, to some of the players and we've not had that media profile before um, and that's what raising the profile of the game has brought young girls being able to look up to us and um, so using Uh, as Emma said, social media, talking about it, making noise about wanting to see women's sport again. And similarly with the facilities, we found a barrier in terms of, understandably, with the men's team, it's about really protecting the environments that they're using and not having them exposed to too many other people, um, because that obviously causes complications in terms of uh, sanitising before and after. Um, So we've had that similar barrier in terms of trying to get back into gyms, etc. And People opening up the, their own gyms, giving us access at, at private times has, has really made a difference. Um, and I think if anybody can do that and has the ability to just provide a little bit of extra resource um, to local women's teams in order to let them get back up and running in one way or another, I think that will, that will really help. Well, I think that is, that's
0: a perfect way to end things. Um, And I know, you know, people, we, we always at Women's Sport talk about visibility and, you know, without that visibility, how do we inspire that participation at the grassroots? So, um, Thank you for everyone for tuning in to watch this. If you want to watch it again or watch it back or or, or miss some of it, then this YouTube link will will stay the same so you can watch it. And as always, we'll be releasing the audio version on Spotify, iTunes, and Audioboom. Please do review us on any of those platforms. Um, Our lockdown research is up on our website. You can look at it for free. Um, You can also get in touch with us at support at womeninsport.com. Dot org. Thank you to our wonderful panel um, for taking the time in thirty-degree humidity um, today, and uh, also thank you to to Stacey and the CSM Live team for supporting us and and making this podcast happen. We we hope you've all enjoyed it and. When uh, when we can, we'll, we'll be doing some some in person events, and hopefully we can all kind of be together again uh, and chat about these things in the flesh. But yeah, thank you to everyone. Uh, it's been it's been great to talk to you, and uh, we will see you all soon. So we're no longer on YouTube, people. So everyone can relax. <laughs> well done, guys. That was amazing. That was such a good chat. I really really enjoyed it. Yes, oh, it was yeah
3: you. Thank you.:
0: Sorry oh, so um, I: I am,
3: I am quite hot. I know I look quite. Hot. I know I'm boiling, my
0: cheeks are red. You I can am see. Absolutely <laughs> I had to close the door because I was. <laughs> drilling so me so I'm be like... dry,
3: red. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Same, don't worry. Sorry, Emma, what, did you want to say something? Oh, I was just. Oh well, I wasn't going to say, but it's like Steph. I think he's getting redder and redder. Um, <laughs> but I was just going to see if it's possible to get everybody's email addresses. Um, just to yeah, yeah, of course. Contact.
0: Um, I will. I'll. Um, I've, I've got everyone's details. So what I'll do is I'll do a, like a group email, and um, I've got I've got um Ben's email. Um, Emma. So I will. Oh. do a, I'll, I'll email to. I'll email to him. Um,
4: oh, um,
0: unless you want to drop? Do you want to drop? Do you want to? I can write down your email now if you like, and then make it. Easier.
1: Yeah, um, I was going to put it in the chat.
0: Let, yeah, well, or put it in the chat. Yeah, if you can. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll do a a CC and and send it round to everyone, and then we can keep conversation going. But yeah, definitely. And hopefully, I mean, if we weren't in a pandemic, we would be doing this in person. We hope to be doing some uh, some more events soon, whenever that might be. But
2: who knows really <laughs> no it's been brilliant and the reason i really enjoyed um reading through the research as well it's interesting because no matter what aspect positively or negatively either personally or through friends or family you can i've sort of seen that and witnessed it in one way or another so it is really interesting to see it sort of in facts and figures down there and you don't realize how it affects the different groups my grandma she's so confident so independent um, obviously has been shielded and lost all her confidence completely and um, and has been not active at all because she was worried she wouldn't even go for a walk in the park which is you know the minimum level that she would normally do and um, she usually plays crown green bowling four times a week which yes you know it's not really really intense activity levels but if you think about the amount of time she's walking up and down she's lunging lifting, bending yeah and and that's you know i worry for her because she.